Friends, I come to you with heavy hearts. The heaviest of hearts, I might add. Because the last week I made a mistake. And when you make a mistake, you you own up to it. Right, Nicholas? And I didn't listen back to the podcast. And for some reason, all of Nicholas's beautiful audio has been deleted from the earth. And we'll never, we'll never know what his guilty pleasure film is. Unless you just tell us what it was very quickly. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen slash Dark Side of the Moon. Perfect. There you go. And I tried to save it. And I just didn't have the technology to do it. And then I went back and listened to it. And then it just wasn't there. So it'll never happen again. It was my bad. And I apologize. And if you still listen to all of it, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thank you to Nicholas's brother, Jack, for alerting us of this travesty. Shut up. So without further ado, I'll, I'll hand it over to Nicholas for the question of the day. Perfect. Well, we'll go ahead and jump right into it. Um, Zachary, my question of the day, I'm just going to go ahead and get into it, too. Because we, we've seen a lot of films, and you know I'm an emotional person. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I've talked about how I've shed a couple tears for a lot of these movies that we've that we've done as we've made our way up the IMDb top 250 list. So I want to ask you, because it's been on my mind, Zachary, what film, when you watch it, without question, makes you cry every single time? Okay, so the thing is, I don't, I'm not a big movie rewatcher, mm. unless it's Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Sure. Back to the Future. But there is one film that I always like to come around to, and that movie is About Time. Oh, I've never seen it. You've talked about this, though. It's a, it's a movie about a time-traveling gentleman who can go back and forth in his own life. And there's a certain scene where I think he figures out that he can't go back in time and change things after his child is born. Because even doing that changes like which sperm cell impregnated his wife. So his child child was different when he oh. went, came back after he changed it. So there's a scene where his wife says that he want, they, she wants another baby. And then he keeps pushing it off and off and off. And then she finally gets pregnant. And then they decide not to know the gender of the baby. So it'll just be like a fresh baby when it comes out. So he keeps going back in time to meet his dad who's passed away. So then uh, it's like the last time he goes to him and he he's like, I can't come back anymore. It's the last time we'll see. And then they do this whole thing. It yeah. always it always sheds. I always get a little tear in the corner of the eye. Oh, that sounds so good. Down. That's uh, man. That's such an easy button to, to press too. Or it's like the go back to see your loved one as family member yeah and because then the dad because so he's in the past and then his dad is like i can take you into my own memory so he takes him back in time to when he was still a little boy and they like run around on the beach together yeah there's like there's a couple scenes in there that are and when the dad dies it's pretty sad too dang okay Wow, that's a good one. I, I need to check that film out. Wait, uh, is that a more recent film? Contemporary? Classic? 20, 2014, maybe? 2016? Oh, okay. So pretty recent. I say recent. I guess that's 
Also, audience, if I if I seem down, I'm mourning a tragedy. <laughs> just go ahead I and just, tell them. I just watched the Bills fumble, find a new way to lose a football game, and it's just been it's been rough the last forty five minutes. Hey, Falcons! As we as of today, as of this recording, the Falcons are first place in the NFC South, and that's NFL talk. Um, okay, so my uh, film. Uh, it was very easy for me to think about this because it's my favorite film of all time, and it's E.T., the extraterrestrial. Uh, there are two teams, excuse me, I've got football in my mind. There are two scenes <laughs> in particular uh, that always get me. It's when E.T. dies, like when the little like astronaut doctor men, you know, come grab them, and him and Elliot are so interlocked. And E.T. dies, and Elliot is just mourning him, kills me. But then the scene that really gets me it's the very ending of the film, and spoilers if you haven't seen E.T., but dude ends up going back home, and before you've he gets 40, onto his... You've had 40 years to see it, so... Yeah, you've had 40 plus years. <laughs> before he gets back on his ship, he has his... E.T. has his goodbye moments with each member of the family, and of course, you know, the final one with Elliot, where, you know, uh, E.T. holds up the finger, and here, and presses on that heart. Well, yeah, Elliot, he's got his tears going. Man gets me i got i got chills right now just talking about it <laughs> is the et ride still at universal it is but they changed the smell in the line you know how et has like the distinct smell right you like know, ride smell I, I i think i've only ridden that ride one time and it was when i first went to universal when i was like seven oh, wow and then my it, sister got stuck on it, it the bike the bikes broke down for like an hour and a half oh yikes that's tough so um, we never went on it again yeah, I'm surprised that's still there. That seems like one of those rides where that, like, they're clamoring to, to chop that stuff up. Gotta be the oldest ride in the park. Um, Is Woody the Woodpecker still there? No, they're taking it down. Updating it. <laughs> the thing, here's the thing why I think E.T. can be safe, Zach, is because they updated the interplanetary passport cards. And you're not going to update something if you're not planning on keeping that investment. So, man, um, is it old. But anyway, uh, so E.T., that's it. That's that's the one that gets me every single time. I will cry more than once every time I see that film. You know, to be honest with you, I don't think I've seen E.T. since I was a child. Oh. Maybe 20 years. Okay, we gotta fix that. Big problem. I think it's, it's definitely on the list. Yeah, I think it is, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's it for me. There's there's a lot of movies. I mean, audience members, go back and listen to like half of the IMDb 250 films that we watched. I think I said I cried at the Iron Giant. I cried <laughs> at my say? father and my son. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been crying left and right. I'm I'm an emotional little sad boy. But yeah, I mean that's a good that's a good pick. Yeah. Um. Any other movies? I I I know that I've you know what I've been doing. I've been shedding tears out recently. What is sad Spider-Man edits on TikTok? <laughs> what? Not even edits. It's like it'll be like the time Peter Parker saved Manhattan from a flood. Oh. It'll be like a couple comic pages. Yeah. Or like the time Peter Parker consoled blah blah blah. Yeah. Or the death of Peter Parker, the funeral of Peter Parker. Yeah. And I, it's always it's always that uh the my love is my uh, my own song. Yes. It's, it's playing all, that and then it's in the uh, background. And it's the sped up Adele <laughs> song that's playing. <laughs> so yes. it's like it's kinda sad, but then it's like the music and I'm just like, gotta get a tear going down. Yes. Dude, honestly, I, one of the other films I was thinking about, because I was thinking of like other like superhero films that have made me cry, because those are the ones that I rewatched a ton. And um, No Way Home, 
the Aunt May death, where she does the Uncle Ben great with great power comes great responsibility line. Oh, mm-hmm. that one gets me too. I'm trying to think. I feel like I was just watching a movie where I was like holding back tears. Oh, I think I think I held back some tears in Hachi, maybe. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I I was a blubbering mess for that. I'm always crying during Van Helsing because of how amazing it is. That's a callback from last week. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. See, look, we're, we're kind of like advertising sort of the, the backlog. So go go back and, and listen, audience members. You, someone keep a tally and then you're going to be our, our super fan of the week. Yeah, there, there's probably more. Yeah. But that's but it. I, but I was looking at my DVDs and I was like, okay, all right, that one made me cry. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else you want to want to say about our question of the day? Have you been watching anything? Uh, no, just TV, sports. That's it. I've just been uh reading Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm now into the Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man. I'm almost done. I have three more issues of that his comic run. You're grinding. Yeah. And we've got Invincible on. Now it's on break, but it was on. So sad. And it was amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and now I have a, a PS5 to keep me uh, company. Where, where is it in your bedroom or? It is. It's right under my TV. It's in the little little. Wait, wait, it, did you did you get the slim? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I'm super excited. I I've been reading that because mine is vertical, and they keep saying that like the liquid metal that's the coolant needs to be horizontal because it'll like eventually slide down. Oh. But I don't have anywhere to put it. Interesting. So keep it horizontal. Yeah, okay, I will. Yeah, the, the big problem with me doing this, though, is that I, I kind of screwed myself because I have, like, one more week of master school, and I really have to focus, so this is a big problem. But you only have Call of Duty right now, don't you? And I now have Lego Star Wars. Ooh, you need to get PlayStation. We can play together. You can get PlayStation Plus, and we can play uh, together. I know. That, see, that's a lot of... I don't know. We'll talk. We'll, we'll you don't want to play with, with your bud? <laughs> no, it's just... Yeah. You know, that's not me. That's not me. To play with your buddy? No, no, no. Just or to like, play online. Yeah, just play online. You know, I'm not a big, I'm not a big gamer. I mean, I can let you borrow some Spider-Man games. I can bring them to you, so you don't, ha- you don't have to keep them. Have to buy them? No, no. I mean, like I got them coming for Christmas. Like I've got the Jedi, Survivor, Fallen Order games coming. Spider-Man Remastered, Miles, Spider-Man Two. Like I got all that coming. Yeah, I'm about to be up to my. Well, then, then I'll, I'll give you some games that you should play. I'll let you borrow them. Okay. All right. Anyway, that anyway, was totally we, all, all about movies. <laughs> we've we've gone off. <laughs> we've gone um, off the rails. Yeah, but I've I just haven't got to the theater. There's the the, the theaters that uh, the movies in theaters that I want to see are racking up on me, and I'm falling behind. Yeah, you know what? I I think I want to check out the uh, Saltburn film. And uh, my my theater just doesn't play movies. Ooh. What else like, is out? They're only playing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven movies. That's not good. Are you interested in the Hunger Games film at all? Yeah, me and Abigail were trying to do it. I might have to uh, see it without her because it's only been in theaters for two weeks. Yeah, I, I feel like I want to watch that one too. So, yeah, and Napole- Napoleon. Yeah. Oh, uh, actually, I do have movie news we must talk about, even if it's just for a couple seconds. Um. Congratulations, Superman Legacy, on already being the greatest Superman film ever made. The castings that have come out of it, fantastic. You've got Nicholas Holt as Lex Luthor. And, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher his name. Skylar Gizmodo? Giz, Gizondo? What's his name? I don't remember. 
the redhead guy. He's going to be Jimmy Olsen. That's the most. What that's a ca- the, that's, that's the, the best the, casting so far ever. Ever. I'm so excited for that film. Like that, he he literally looks like Jimmy He's Olsen pulled off the comic book page. Picked off the page. Amazing. And he has the sort of like quirky energy to him yes dude he's gonna be he's gonna be great i know so that's my news all right well we'll catch you after the break all right well we're back and Continuing our talk on films, everything movies, IMDb, with 200, number 230, Into the Wild, which was a R-rated 2007 film directed by Sean Penn, and it is the same Sean Penn who we know as the actor Sean Penn. That's right. Starring Emile Hirsch as Chris, Vince Vaughn as Wayne, Kathleen Cre- Kinnear, Kinnear as Jane, Maurice Gay Harden as Billy, the mother, William Hurt as Walt, the father, Jenna Malone as the sister, and that's all you really need to know. Uh, you forgot my boy, Hal Holbrook. Oh, as Ron Franz. Ron Franz. Ron? As Hal. We're going to talk about Ron. All right. Should I give a little plot synopsis? Yeah, go ahead. Basically, uh, a man who, his birth name is Chris Christopher. He graduates from Emory University in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and decides that life is more than the corporate world that lies before him. So he takes his life savings and just goes west with the ultimate goal of getting to Alaska. And he wants to survive off the land. And the story tells his story there and sort of flip-flops the narrative between the present and the past where we're learning more about him, how he got there, and his ultimate death at the hands of Mother Nature. Yeah. And it's all based on a true story. So, initial reactions? Uh, okay, so my initial reactions are I've liked it. I am still conflicted about whether I like the way that the film was framed, and I mean it in this way. Uh, you mentioned that the film alternates between his the, the current present, which is in Alaska, where he ends up at the end of the film, right? That's his ultimate goal is to get to Alaska and live in Alaska. And, and sort of the lead up, sort of the odd jobs and road that he took to get to Alaska. However, the film also sort of interweaves with the sister mm-hmm. monologuing uh, sort of... Like Chris's emotions. Yes. How, how do you feel okay. about that? I'm going to flip the question back on you. How do you feel about I this? I was not a fan of at all of these time switches. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm never a fan of... Like when you start somewhere and then you go back to the beginning and then you go back... I, I don't know. I like linear stories. Yeah. I, I think it's, it'd be fine if they had done it like once, right? If you do that present and then you kind of show like one moment and then you kind of move it back. Mm-hmm. That's not the way that this film works. Because I'm with you. I'm kind of in that same category of I, I like my stories more linear. So I, I mean, I'm not going to fault it for trying to do that. 
But yeah. the one Especially that at the end, off, when yeah. he's when he's have this emotional scene with this this old man. I wish that what happened before all of the stuff in Alaska. Yes, that scene didn't hit as well, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to that. But yeah, I, so a big chunk. Well, it's not a big chunk of this film. A smaller chunk of this film is devoted to. Well, I'm not going to say a small chunk of the film. There's only a couple of scenes. I would say maybe 10, 12 minutes total of screen time is devoted to the family that he leaves behind, his mom and dad and his sister mm-hmm. sort of worrying for him. And I like that those scenes were there, kind of. I, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm like, I'm flipping my back and forth between whether I like it or not because I like, I like seeing those reactions, but I think I'm just so thrown off by the sister having such a big part, even though she felt like the character I knew the least about. Like she was mm-hmm. obviously underdeveloped. Like I didn't, I didn't even feel like Chris had a good relationship with the yeah, sister. They they, it's always talked about how much Chris cared about her, but then we don't. There's like one scene of them interacting, and then there's a scene where he pulls her away when the parents are in a physical altercation. Yeah, it, it's weird. And, and when we first get the introduction to the sister, she's pulling up, driving his car to the restaurant, like sort of goes like graduation dinner. And mm-hmm. at first, I didn't even know what her relationship was. To yeah, I thought maybe it was a girlfriend. girlfriend yeah, it, it's no. just anyway, weirdly weird. So the frame, the whole framing of the film was kind of it's kind of thrown me off. And again, I, I don't know where I stand really on it, but I yeah. think I like it. And they they didn't really do that good of a job of characterizing the parents beyond like they're evil, evil and <laughs> like pretentious, stuck up, yeah. superstitious. Not superstitious. Well, what's the word? Pretentious. Pre- pretentious. Whatever. Um, superficial, superficial, superficial. Yeah, like it's all about status. Yeah, I, I, I will say this, and obviously, uh, here at the close screening, we get the big spoilers. I was surprised about the, the twist about the family, like the dad. This idea that Chris was sort of the the bastard son, mm-hmm. right? The dad had like a relationship with another woman, and then well, had already had college, a son. Yeah. Mother, like, I guess that helped to kind of give Chris some like an extra dimension to why he's maybe doing the things that he's doing or why he thinks the way that he does. So that kind of surprised me. So I guess in that way, I guess I'm glad that I got a little bit of it, but even that was handled a little strangely. Yeah. I will say another, I feel like we're just shitting on this movie, but when you you brought up Chris's motivations and I feel like the film does a horrific job. Yeah. That's the only thing we get sort of explaining why he's doing it. And then you get all these people that are coming to him and basically extending sort of emotional support to him. And he keeps rejecting them all. Every single person that comes to him and says like, you have a place here, come back to me, blah, blah, blah. He's always like, no, I just have to get to Alaska. And then I guess it's implied that he tells them off screen, like why he's doing this. Yeah. And it's worse, but it just seems, it just seems like he's just a, sort of like a pretentious kid that wants to like do what he wants to do. Yeah. It's I just, the way I thought about it was this is, this is that kid that, you know, that's just like, I don't even know. It was antagonistic towards society. Right. Like, I, I don't know, like maybe we didn't know someone specifically like that, but kind of that, that, that individual who's just like, whatever, like I, the system is, broken and weird like that's just kind of the way i had to think of yeah. his character the whole time where it's just like okay this is someone who's just disillusioned with the world 
And I just yeah. kind of have to run with this as his motivation. And it wasn't until I got the family stuff where I was like, okay, I guess that's now my new thing I'm going to hook onto with him. Mm-hmm. But it's very bad. interesting because when he's in, was it South Dakota working mm-hmm. on the farm? I think, yeah, I think it was maybe. I don't remember. That's now. where they have the address with when he's working with Wayne on Wayne's farm. Yep. And there's so many moments in this film. I think this is more fault of the character. Maybe it's the character's fault. Maybe it's not the direction of the movie and the movie's fault, but you get so many moments where you, he should open his eyes and really see like these people living in South Dakota where all they do is work on somebody else's farm, go into this raggedy barn. Like these are the real people that society has sort of turned away from. Not an Emory college graduate. Yeah. Who is thinking about going to law school. Yeah. Like, his problems are not that... Now, I'm not going to say they're not a big deal, but there are other people in his life that are way worse off than he ever was. Yeah. And he consistently meets people that have been far worse off than him. And he never takes a look at himself and asks, like, why am I going to risk my life when there are so many people that care for me? And I don't think it's till the very end when he's about to die. Where he finally realizes, like, fuck, I've, I really messed up. Yeah. And I'm, maybe I wanted to be alone, but that's before I met somebody. Yeah. Because uh, everyone he meets is just begging him. Yeah. To stay. Yes. Yeah. You, no, you got, you got to the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I guess two-part two part question here. Uh, one, did you know this was based on a, on a real story. Like mm-hmm. I knew nothing about the film. Okay. You did. Yeah. And I, I know the book. I know. I think Abigail said that she read the book in high school. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, the other thing I was going to ask was, I feel like I've seen a version of this story before. Like, are there, uh, maybe this is like this, this is the idea of someone who's just like dropping their life. I think, yeah. I think that's a very common idea in fiction is someone that just gives up all of their responsibilities and, will go into the woods and live as man is supposed to. Yeah. So I was kind of, I guess in my head, even though I didn't have anything specific to kind of compare it to, I guess I was kind of relatively doing that. Um, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh. Oh, I had something I was going to say just right after that. Now I forgot. It's going to come to me. Um, all right. Let's talk about uh, sort of the, the good here. Because um, I did enjoy it. I really did. Oh, back to, one back thing to the the narrative and the editing. This film was actually nominated for best editing for the Oscars. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, teach their own. So, I will yeah. say that uh, this film definitely made me. Uh, I always get sucked in. It's like any movie that I watch, right? Like I put myself in the character's shoes or like the situation, or you like you almost like a copy you know, mm-hmm. some of the some of the things that you see. I thought to myself, especially as I'm on a Thanksgiving break, it's about to come to an end. I'm about to go back to my my nine to five, if you will. I thought to myself, man, I think I could do it. I think I could live out in the wild. <laughs> okay, that's interesting you mentioned that because I've been watching this YouTube channel yeah. called The Outdoor Boys. Yeah. And it's a guy who literally lives in Juneau, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And every weekend, I'm kidding you not. He uploads every Saturday. Yeah. A 30 minute video. Me, by, usually by himself. Sometimes he brings his kids with him. 
me bush camping in the Alaskan wilderness for the weekend, foraging for food, building a hut, blah, 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 blah. And it's just him with a, like a GoPro. Yeah. And it's just him usually getting dropped off by like a biplane and the, off the, like the river wanders for four miles, sets up camp. Yeah. Builds a shelter. Yeah. And just fishes, hunts, whatever. And he just does that for the weekend? Every weekend. And then he goes back to like just a normal everyday life. I So I think that this is all he does now because he has such a big following. Interesting. Because all of his videos get like at least 5 million views. Yeah. Um, but I will I say will... his his content, some of the most therapeutic thing I've ever seen. And it, it. it really makes you just go, I don't know if I want to go to Alaska and do this because that's like yeah. harsh. Because yeah. one, one video, he's like, he was in this like the survival shelter that the forest service like built. So like hikers could hunker down in it for the night and yeah. it had a propane like a uh, heater. And he's like, in the morning, he's like, we didn't have to turn on the propane heater. It was warm in here. It was 40 degrees. Nope. Not for me. But it's like, yeah, I do think that they're and not a lot, not most, not most people, but I think a lot of people that if you like the outdoors, you like being in nature, there is something like, there's a calling yeah. to like just be out in it. Yes. And, and experience I, I, it. And I think that's maybe the, the thing that's enjoying about the film. I, I was being a little silly when I said that I, I could do it. I would, <laughs> I would not, I'm not meant for that life at all. I, I Definitely not a hundred days. Like he did. No, I couldn't last 24 hours. Um, but, but I think that's fun to, to play that game in your head when you're watching this film, you're like, like you, you play like, and you're like, Oh, I would have done that different. Or I would have done that better. Or, Ooh, I would have made that same mistake or, Ooh, that could be fun. Like, I think that's the part that kept my attention the whole time was just following his journey. And you're almost just, I don't know, like that's kind of a fun part of movies. Sometimes it's like seeing yourself in a character's shoes or just being able to relate. Even though I can't relate, relate, I can at least in my head pretend. And I think that's fun. Mm. Uh, okay. Let's talk about um, something really, really specific. Uh, this is completely like 180. Uh, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Not Kirsten Dunst. Kristen Bell. What's her name? Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Good night. Uh, I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a cool little almost side, not even side plot. It was cool. It was like one of his detours was mm. um, Slab City. A, yes, and his job was to like sell books. I guess. Well, I think because he said he wouldn't take money from them. Yeah. Because he, so, he met these two people earlier in the movie. I was supposed to say, I they're like over free that spirits, like yeah. travelers. And he goes back to meet them. And I don't know how he gets the money. He's living yeah. with these these people at Slab City in the desert. He's in the desert, basically. Yes. And so as I'm watching this and we get to Slab City and he comes across Kristen Stewart's character who. This is this is early young Kristen Stewart. She looks just like she did in that first Twilight film. <laughs> and she's she's young and in the film she is sixteen, she admits. Mm-hmm. She's sixteen. Um did that sort of that whole side story did not go where I thought it was gonna go because um he Chris first sees her when she performs at Slab City, like one of the like, little road concerts or whatever, mm-hmm. and she plays the guitar and she sings. And sort of his, I don't even know what you call them, his friends, the, the, the hippies. Couple. Parental figures. Parental figures. Uh, they're kind of egging him on, like, hey, you know, go talk to her. And she's like, 
lovey dovey eyes, like Googling him from across like the dirt road in her little trailer. And uh, they kind of start, you know, the classic, like, oh, like, I'm going to go to the city to go do this thing. You want to come with me? And it's like, sure. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, where's this going to go? So uh, sort of the, the culmination of all this is that uh, she tries to like lure after he's like working out, he's like doing like sit ups in the dirt like you know he's got like the little tank top he's like sweating you know all, all manly yeah and the, and, the, and the guy is with him is like she she marvels at your every move boy yes yes and so she's like come here she like motions him to like back to her like little rv trailer and he like comes up and she's like taking off her clothes and she's like in a like white shirt and her little like you know underwear and she's like laying on the bed trying to be like all seductive and stuff and i was like uh oh are we about to do this? Like, I thought we were going to get some like big, crazy, like, Oh, like Chris is going to do this thing. And it's going to like change the perspective on something, or this is going to factor into the story. And, uh, did something completely unexpected, but I approve. He asked, how old are you? <laughs> she says 18. And 18. he says, mm. no. And she goes, I'm a mature 17. And then he goes, what year were you born? And then she had to think about it. And he was like, really? And she's like, oh, I'm just, I'm 16. I thought that was, I thought that was fun. I thought that was yeah. fun. Um, I think that scene does a good job of showing, not even that scene, that whole subplot just shows like how people were sort of like, he was like a magnet for people. Yes. Everyone right. wanted to come around him and be around him and hang out with him and give him advice, keep him there, tell him yes. what to do, give him money. Right. And, and so when all this is done, Right, he's like, no, like, let's do this instead. Like, come with me, and like, they go run like another chore, and they sing together at their next concert or whatever. And then it's when he has to go, it's when he has to leave, and sort of like the fallout from that, where um, she kind of has her emotional moment, and they hug, and he imparts like his Chris wisdom. He's always got wisdom he's imparted. We come back to the hippie couple in a second. He's always like imparting some wisdom, and he leaves her, and that I love. It's maybe like my favorite shot uh, you know a couple seconds scene where you see he he's driving away in the rv with the mom parental figure and the camera comes back on Kristen stewart and she's like doing her like classic like twilight like <laughs> like upset like like shaky breathing whatever and it's like the devastate like this kid it's like you mentioned like he's everywhere he goes he makes that impact on that person or that group of people and mm-hmm. leaves behind just like this crushing that's like, mm-hmm. oh man, I lost this kid. Like he's, you know, my my best friend or my son or my grandson or my lover or whatever. My lover. Yeah, and I, I thought that was a really, really good scene. I thought Kristen Stewart was fantastic in that. So yeah. I had to point it out. That was a standout for me. Um I think this this leads me into my my main point of this film as itself. I think as a film, there's almost nothing special about the film. No. I think the story and the message of this movie are way more important than the, the filmmaking aspect of this movie. Sure. And some great performances, but even those kind of go secondary to telling the story yeah. of this man. So what do you think of that? No, I like it. I, I agree with that. Uh, I do have to disagree with you on one point, though. I think there's one man who elevates the whole film. And that is Vince Hal Vaughn? Holbrook. No, my boy Hal. I know. So I even had a look 
because I just knew it. I knew it in my bones the second he, he showed up. This man was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for this film. One of the only other two Dang, he died in 2021. I know. 95. So this is like the last individual that Chris comes across in the film. And uh, it's, basic long story short, this this old man, and he's got to be what, late 70s, early 80s? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's old. He's, he's, pretty he's old. an old man. He's an old man. And this is when they're, where are they? It's like Arizona or the desert. I mean, it's somewhere kind of. Yeah. Something like that. And he's come across this old man who um, we find out his wife and his son was killed by a drunk driver. And he lives at home and he does like leather work. He's always um, shipping orders from the, the work he's doing in his garage. And it's this awesome moment where uh, Chris even, he basically speaks it out loud where he's talking about how the old man isn't truly living right he's just kind of almost like he's going through the motions right he's placing his orders but he's just at home he's not very adventurous like every time chris like beckons him to like you know kind of climb up a slope to go watch you know kind of see the sights and the sounds old how ron he's always like no i can't you know that's not for me and then there's a beautiful moment like after they sort of have this relationship and chris has been living with him for a while and he gets ron to open up and uh, sort of this big sort of triumphant moment where Ron sort of climbs the, the slope. The, I hate to call it a mountain, but like a slope with him. And basically, I miss Ron. He's like, Ron, like, you've got to, like, this is, this is your life. Like, you've got to take advantage of it. Like, he's like, you're still young. Like, do all the things that you want to do. You know, don't be holding to, like, the, your story that's been told so far. And I thought that was really powerful. But the best part of that was, Right before we get back to the final moments of the film, where Chris has his last moments in Alaska, Ron drives him out to somewhere, base camp, whatever checkpoint that Chris needs to get to before he gets to Alaska. And Ron's in the car, and they come to the stop, and I knew it was going to be good. I knew it was going to be such a good moment. And Ron's like, you know, Chris, like, I've really enjoyed having you. He's like, that. you're like the, the son I've never had. I said, can I, can I adopt you as my grandson? And it was this crazy, powerful moment. I'm like, oh my gosh. And uh, Chris is like, come on, like, you know, let's talk about this when we. When <laughs> he basically back. says no. Yes, he says no. <laughs> so let's talk about this when we come back from Alaska. And Ron, so like fighting back tears. Just, okay, okay. And it's like the camera holds on him so well. I mean, he, Ron kills him. I mean, how Holbrook. I mean, the dude, he won his his. He should have won his Oscar. Just for that that moment in the car, and uh, Chris leaves the car, but that camera skin in the same way that it was stuck on Kristen Stewart holds on him. And you're like, oh man, Chris, you're just like leaving this devastation your way. Man, that was a powerful moment. Holy crap, I've never seen such an old man portray a moment so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, I, I'm, gush- I definitely I'm gushing think, over those moments. I definitely think the his whole speech about how he his wife and kid died was one of the highlights of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but we're sort of we're sort of steering our way to the end. Oh yeah. also, last thing. Um never seen a movie with so many montages in it. Ton of montages. Ton of montages. Crazy and, amount. And maybe cl- a couple too many. And classic, like, we're still in the early two thousands where we're like what's that effect? Maybe you can describe it better, where 
like the slow motion the sort slow of like choppy ch- yes i oh. hated that i hate that effect it's it, a, it happens it so dates much a, it dates a movie so quickly instantly yeah there's a lot of that so if you're not a fan of that yikes. sorry Too um, sad. Yeah, but i think the because we, we can move to the most important part of this movie which is his his death scene yeah where um we can go in a little bit to his actual death but I think the movie does a good job of showing how he was, I think, mentally prepared, but he didn't have the knowledge yes. to, to do what he wanted to do. Because he, he asked, what's his name? Wayne, when he's in South Dakota, oh, how do you skin an animal? Yeah. And he's like, how do you not know how to do that if you're trying to go live by yourself in Alaska? Right. And he's, you see one scene of him like frantically writing stuff down on a notebook. Yeah, and then later you see that he can't skin this moose properly, and all the meat goes bad. Yeah, and then he buys his book on plants, mm-hmm. and you don't really see anything of it until the very end of the movie, where he eats yeah. what he thinks is wild potato root. Yeah, and then it turns out to be something else, and something it causes cool. like massive cramps, paralysis, indigestion. And, yeah. Um, and then that eventually kills him because he can't go get more food. Yeah. But I didn't realize this, but there are quite a few theories on his death because it's at the end of the day, it is a mystery because no one was with him. Mm. Um, apparently in the book, I feel like the book would be a good read. Yeah. Um, how do you say the author's name? John Crack. Krakauer. I guess it is mine. Um, he poses rabid, rabid, rabbit, rabbit, starvation, yeah. which is protein poisoning, mm. where you don't have any other thing except for eating lean meat. Yeah. Um, another one is these are some these are some tough words. Swans. <laughs> Swan saloon in high scrum alphinum seeds. And this is the one that the the movie presents where she eats the wrong plant. Yeah. And let's see what it says. Inhibits the metabolism of glycoproteins. Which leads to starvation, even if you have ampid food consumption. Mm. Um, but then, 2013, a new hypothesis was presented: latharism due to ODPA in the same sort of plant. So it could have been that plant, just a different process that killed him. Mm. And then L can vein in that same plant. Yeah. So different. So it's a, the, the last thing is it is highly likely that the consumption of the H alfinium seeds contributed to the death of Chris. Interesting. Got it. So I think they're just, I think it's more just debating on right. what chemical process killed him. Killed him. So yeah, but at the end of the day, he, even though he had his book, because he's big into books, and he thought books he could cure the world. Yeah, he had his book, but at the end of the day, he misidentified a a plant out of starvation, and he ate it, and he died from it. Yeah, 
And it's like you're you're frustrated with them too because it's like you mentioned the film does a really good job of highlighting that he he's he does always seem to be in control like even when things go bad like he's still smart mm-hmm. enough to to get especially by. when he like when he falls in the river yeah like he's he, like he doesn't panic he exactly he slows his I guess his thinking down and yeah finds a way out of the river and doesn't drown right and like for me like I. The ending was a big question mark for me going into this film about halfway through because I I didn't have any knowledge on this film. I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know this was based off true life story. I, I, I knew none of these things. So I, I didn't know whether he was going to live or survive. But again, he's like you mentioned, he he doesn't know a lot, but he seems to learn as he kind of makes his way across to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of a surprising moment. And I will admit that uh, it, it it caught me off guard sort of the way it happened um mm. but man it's like that scene where he has that panic moment where he wakes up and he's like feeling that that change in his body and he's flipping back and forth like the page between what plant that he consumed like that potato the yeah the wild potato the wild potato like that one and the one that he was supposed to eat i mean the name the, the look of it is so identical i mean they I think they show like the, the seeds, like the yeah. Then he pulls out the seed and has yeah, and vertically, it's like oh my gosh, like and this again, it's that moment where it's like I would have done the same, like that's the mistake I would have made, and you're so frustrated for him, you're like oh my gosh, like I'm dead too. Mm-hmm. So that was crazy. Yeah, it really. The end, you're just like because I knew he was gonna die. Yeah, because I just know the story, but I was like, crap, to know like you're not dying because like something killed you right. it was your own mistake and it's the and most like, frustrating I, I, little thing yeah because i read the a book on the donner party yeah and they were talking about how you can live for an extremely long time without food and then you get the text like the text at the end where two weeks later yeah. approximately two weeks after his death Ugh. hikers came and found him yes Oh my gosh. I feel I like it always that. it always goes like that. It does always go like that. I did also see as an aside, I I apparently they moved that bus. Yes, I was about to because yeah. people kept going to it and getting yes. stuck. Yeah. Um But yeah, that I, I thought that was crazy. Um the, the two weeks later. That that was heartbreaking. And like I said, it's just it's such a little thing. You're like, man, like this plant, like these seeds, like they have killed me and that doomed me. Which is it it's like you mentioned uh, beforehand in terms of sort of the structure of flipping back and forth. I, as, as tough as that scene is and as effective as it is at the end of the film, it does um, kind of undermine that, that moment I was talking about with Ron in the sense that we, we know he's consumed the plant and then it flashes back again before it comes back to the present before he dies. And so when he's having that conversation with Ron about, you know, let's have this conversation when I come back, that seems like such like a, I don't know, cliche, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, like that, the, the final parts of the movie almost didn't land for me because it's like, Oh, like now we know what's going to happen. It kind of took yeah, out. He's never coming back. The dramatic element of that. And it's, I don't know. That's that's where the that's where the flipping back and forth the framing uh, yeah. kind of ruined it for me. I, th- I think a, I don't know because I my faults with besides like the whole storytelling and the narrative like timeline. I think a lot of my faults with the movie were basically 
faults with the story because it was so story driven and yep. the faults of the story were because it happened in real life. So yep. it kind of frustrates you. Yeah. Agreed. And, but at the same time, it's like, you need to show me a little more mm-hmm. too, which is the fault of the filmmakers. Yeah. Um, couple, do you have anything else like about the ending? No. Um, okay. I like that. I like the ending when he sort of has the hallucination where he, when he's at the last moments of dying, also, I was I had headphones on. I was did, did you notice you could hear his heart beating? Oh, I couldn't hear that. And then right before he dies, it starts like beating really, really fast, and then it stops. Oh, okay, I like that. Um, clever. But at the very end, he's on his bed and he's slowly like putting on his jacket and yeah, basically making himself decent for whenever someone finds him is what I yeah envision that as yeah, me too. And then he. He's thinking, I think he's reciting a poem where he's like, if I came back and like you embraced me, like what would you say or whatever? Yeah. And it's sort of like, okay, things would just go back to the way they were before if I came home and I, and I lived through this and that's not what I wanted. So he sort of is content with his own death. Yeah. I, I thought that was, I thought that But at the same good. time, he writes like true happiness is cannot be perceived alone or whatever yeah it's um man he has a lot of moments like that but it was at the end where he said uh i, I just remember the last thing was share right something along the lines of yes, you know, happiness, true happiness sh- has to be shared yeah. share yeah um which again it's, it speaks to what you said about like sort of the message of the film um which i which i do appreciate right like i think that's maybe the ultimate goal in telling this story right what what you know why would sean penn want to do this or the writers or whoever even when you made the book sort of what's the point of telling the story is to, is to highlight that stuff um i again another complete 180 here from me uh also had no idea this film was rated r i whenever i watch these movies i just i put them on i don't look at anything description ratings anything. bare uh bare breasts and well not expecting as much nudity as i got a lot of film. nudity but yeah we got so <laughs> It's it's a pretty funny scene. Um, he this is about halfway through the film. He goes up to the U.S. What do you call that? National Forestry Canyon, whatever wildlife. Oh, and in, in like Arizona or the Grand Canyon or something. Yes, and he's he's goes up to one of those guys, and, you know, the suits, you know, civil civil service officer, and he's like, you know, hey, I would literally like to um, kayak down the river. You know, can I? can I do it? Or like, what's the, what's the best place to jump off of? And he's like, this dude's frustrated because he's on the phone with somebody. And he's like, uh, as soon as you can get the permit is, you know, like 2003. So like many years, you know, mm-hmm. when Chris can do it. And Chris is like, screw that. So he just goes down and sort of like the river patrol is, is up on his tail and kind of follow him. And he comes across these, the Swedish couple that were just, you know, the side of the Canyon. And, uh, the dude is making some hot dogs, making some glizzies, and <laughs> the woman comes out of the water. She was in a white t-shirt, and then as soon as she comes out, she just like rips that thing off. And I think our reaction as audience members was the same as Chris, where he was like, "What? What's mm-hmm. happening right now?" Um, and then they were talking in their like Swedish accents, and they're like, "Oh, like, have this hamburger. I mean, have this hot dog. Have and, this uh, hot dog. And, and oh, oh, Mexico. Like you got to go this way. And oh, I'll come with you. Like it's just this funny like." like I'll leave her with you. I'll leave yeah. her here. Yes. She's not very bright, but yes. I love her. Yes. And they're like, they're like making out, like it's like through it all. 
this random scenes. I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and that's it, just another one of like these people he's never met are just like attracted to him immediately. Yes. This guy's like, I'll throw everything out. Yeah, go to drift down a river to Mexico with you. There is like that scene. Then there's like when when Ron first picks him up in his little truck in the desert. And Chris is like, Hey, like, can you take me to my camp? And like they're driving past this like nudist camp. And Ron is like looking the whole time. He's like, Where the heck am I? Like, what has this dude got me into? And then there's a moment where like Chris is like uh, bathing in the water. It's an aerial shot. And I just thought to myself the whole time, Man, that water's got to be crazy cold. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that I kind of couldn't. Mean- took me by surprise just wouldn't expect yeah i'd called this situation a tragedy because he seemed like a guy who had a lot of a lot of life got a lot of love to him a lot of he did this was a, a a positive impact on a lot of people that he met yeah did he did he have a positive impact on vince vaughn's character mm, what was, maybe vince, that was a very interesting yeah uh, i, I did Vince Vaughn stuff when he got arrested and the guy was like Shouldn't have grabbed them black boxes. Yeah. Was, I'm, I'm assuming that he was like a conspiracy theorist that had like some sort of contraband that he wasn't supposed to have. Yeah. something Because he was always weird. talking about conspiracy theories. It was just like these where I was like, okay, Vince Vaughn, here's like maybe the most well-known individual, obviously in this entire film. And he's like this weird, I don't know. I don't even know what he was doing. I don't know what he was doing, but he ended up yeah, being like, created like by cons- the FBI. Yeah, I think he had some some contraband that he wasn't supposed to have. And then, like him and his friends are like like constantly like sexually harassing every woman that they see. <laughs> it was well, maybe, a weird moment. Maybe he'd make him become a better man. Yeah, that's right. Um. Anyway, go on. What were you saying? I think that's it. Oh yeah, I I uh, I. It's like you mentioned this. The film is most effective when it's the interpersonal. Um, dealings with whether it's hippie couple and we didn't even talk about them really super in depth like Chris like basically like saved their relationship and like yeah. the mom like the, the mom figure has this moment where she's talking about how she like her son doesn't talk to her anymore like has no idea where he is and there's like stuff going on with her and like she is like completely just enamored with this like new son that she like almost has in mm-hmm. her life and like those moments I mean we, I've gushed over the Kristen Stewart the Ron and that you know the Sippy couple like those that's that's the best parts of the film um, by far and it's the stuff like I wish I wish we got more of that but again it speaks to what you were saying where you you have those moments to show you you know by the end of the film that that's that's what it's all about not this idea of mm-hmm. going out to live by yourself and that's the ultimate message of the film is that that happiness is shared as he writes on the end so it all comes full circle but it's I don't know it's just a I just can't put my finger on this film. Mm-hmm. I think I think it was a little too long, too. Yeah, it was long. Two hours and 38 minutes. Yeah, I think we both mentioned off-air how we couldn't really watch this in one sitting. Mm-hmm. It was very segmented, too, so it, it almost felt like that I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel so bad yeah. about not watching this in one sitting because it was so fragmented. It does work because they do have, to your point about the segmentation, they have chapters of the film. And mm-hmm. the chapter titles do mean something, right? It's like chapter one is like birth or birthhood or something. And that's like chapter two is like adolescence. And then, you know, this, so it's like you can see the progression of his character arc over, over each of the chapters, right? You're supposed to understand what you're supposed to take away from each component of this, this two and a half, you know, two, two and a half year journey. 
that's all mm. that's all i got so should we uh should we uh go, go ahead and do to, to our ratings yeah i think we can go ahead and do ratings do you want to start us off I, i'm hmm so this film sits at an 8.1 which I think is a is a bit too high, in my yeah. humble opinion. I'm sitting around a seven four. That's hilarious. I think I was going to say seven four. Seven four seven three. I was like seven three seven four. Um, yeah, like I said before, I I think like you. This is a this is a movie to watch if you're interested in the story. Yeah. Not for a for a art film whatever yeah but i mean it was interesting story it was tragic it was inspiring i mean i would i would i would recommend this movie i would too but i think it could have done with some more editing and maybe a reorganization in my opinion we didn't even talk about emile hirsch at all (laughs) no we didn't no he was he was fine he was good he had some I, good parts. So I was trying to do the math because I, I looked up how old he is, and he's 38. Still the, looks the same. He looks the same. This film came out in 2007, so that was 16 years ago. So he would have been 22, 23. Okay, he was about the same time, so same age, same age that he would have been. Um, yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was good. I thought he was fine. Yeah. I think that's what surprised me. I was like, dang, this dude was 22, 23 when he did this. That's crazy. He, he was very emotionally reserved, which I think that's what the character needed. Yeah. But I mean, doesn't always equate to the best, like not the best performance, but like a wow performance. Yeah, I think there's a reason we didn't really talk about yeah. it. I mean, there's he did a service of he did a more than serviceable job for what he was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to our our question of the day. We've got the handmaiden who's who's racked up two victories so far. Yes. Are we going to make it a third? Yes. Yes. Yes, Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Never in doubt, honestly, in my opinion. No, not at all. Um, So, yeah. This is crazy. For our next movie, we're going back in time another three years before that movie with The Incredibles. I'm very excited. And I'll leave it at that. Which is crazy. 2004. Yeah. Which, for some reason, we go back. It's only written in 8.0. Interesting. But it's, what, does it just have like a thousand or a hundred thousand more votes? Yes, this one has 786,000. And Into the Wild had, I mean, 647,000. So it's not. Okay. Hachi. I can't believe that's on the list. <laughs> hey, was this, can we, can we ask this question? Was this film better than Hachi? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just want to be sure yeah. we're, on, we're on the same page. Well, we have a. I guess we did a, to be or not to be last episode. Yeah. Well, that based that wasn't based on true story, was it? No. As I said, we had two back to back. We've had quite a few true stories. Yeah, we're about to get uh, the Incredibles. Definitely a true story. Let's see. Was the sound the sound of music was a true story, right? Maybe. Uh, seems like it could have been. I think it was. So yeah, I mean, 
we're kind of filling dead air right now. But <laughs> Incredibles. I mean, that's it. That's the way the Incredibles is next. It's going to go up against the Handmaiden. Uh, maybe the most challenging debate we've had so far because those movies are just so vastly different. Yeah. That's why you tune in every week is because we'll, we, we dare to have that conversation. We dare to have that conversation. But in the meantime, you can catch up with our old episodes on anywhere you get your podcasts where you're probably listening right now at the closed screening podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter to keep updated with all of our happenings and wherewithal and my technical difficulties that I lie about being able to fix on Twitter and then don't <laughs> don't update the masses that I can do it. But anytime I tweet or Nicholas tells me he wants to tweet, which he's never done, you'll find that over at close screening on twitter.com slash X. I guess it's X.com. Nope. Always be Twitter. But yeah, I mean, anything else? That's it. We're on fast YouTube at the closed screening. Yeah. We are um, fast approaching the holiday season, which means that Christmas special is uh, incoming. Yes. Hold on. Let's pull up the, the little calendar real fast. So we only have two more episodes until our Christmas special. So we've got Incredibles and then The Wizard of Oz, and then we'll do our Christmas episode. That's right. That'll be it for 2023. That's right. And just to mentally prepare yourself, because I know some people have reached out to me, <laughs> Mason, uh, gird, gird your loins for, for our little extended vacay as we prep for the newest season. So the just new wanna, season, the new year. That's right. Just, just want to go ahead and just put on the radar. That way we don't catch anyone by surprise. Yeah. Holiday refresh, as they say. That's right. Oh, Until did you then, have a good Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. I had a fantastic Thanksgiving. And do you do anything fun? No, not really. I went to Gulf Shores. That was fun. Um, oh, yes. And then uh, I had, I, I did miss um, a traditional Thanksgiving meal. Um, usually I have two Thanksgivings, mom's side and dad's side. And uh, the only Thanksgiving I had this year was mom's side. We had lasagna, which was great. It was good lasagna, but I didn't get any turkey, dressing, mashed potatoes, gravy. Got none of that this year. So that was a little upset. You, were you at home on Friday? You should have. You should have told me we were having Thanksgiving at Abigail's house. Oh, well, we I, had so much food. I couldn't intrude. I was going to text you and ask if you wanted to come record oh. in person, but I didn't even text you. Oh, that's okay. But in contrast, I had two Thanksgivings. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, viewers, I hope you had. We didn't even wish them a happy Thanksgiving last episode. So retroactively, happy Thanksgiving, and we hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Yes, we do. Here hope you had, maybe had some work off. And got a, a mini holiday refresh. Yeah. If your boss right. made you come in on Friday, you don't deserve to be at that job. Leave. Leave. All right. Well, those are some words to live by from Nicholas. And we'll catch you same time, same place next week. 